You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. How's it going, Al? Excellent. How are we? Good. All good. A bit sleepy. It's quite late at night here in Vietnam. It's a normal time here in Ireland, but that's not very exciting listening. What? What is a normal time? Surely all times are normal times. So, 5 p.m. Okay. It doesn't get more normal than that. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Just a regular old time. So yeah, Kieran's not here this week. Hope to have him back next week. Yes, so you're stuck with me. I'm going to have to be twice as loud and twice as talky to make up for it. Yeah, bit of a slow news week. Uh, although Wizards, of course, in their infinite wisdom, did kind of Dropped their biggest news in a while just after we recorded last week. Um, but anyway, that's the way it goes. Uh, so they announced the deck lists for the Challenger decks for 2019. So if we remember from last year, these are the pre-made decks uh, for Standard. And their goal was to have them be like quite competitive and to have like good rares and mythics in them so that they are real decks that are actually in standard not just decks that um the r&d team came up with themselves in a vacuum more reacting and based on actual decks so most of these decks they say in the article came from uh decks that were played at pro tour guilds of ravnica yeah because you can see straight up that these are, are really you know, typical archetypes typical archetypes there's nothing, uh, nothing crazy here at all uh but it, it is it is fantastic to see there's an off-the-shelf price a lot of off-the-shelf products that could just be uh, you know, purchased and sleeved and uh, brought to you know, Epidem or Thunder Showdown. Yeah, um, I think that these ones are not quite as like eye-popping as last year. So like last year we had things like Chandra and Hazaret in the in the decks, but don't think there's anything quite that level this year. No Teferi anyway in any of these decks. So slight. Yeah, like I wonder. Um... Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I, I just wonder if, uh, like, well, maybe we're biased because we all expected the fairy to be here. Um, I mean, it's not, but uh, I think, like, in terms of numbers of 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 uh, of you know, uh, playable mythics and 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 uh, you know, standard staple rares, uh, I mean, this is you know quite good. Um, yeah, like, was 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 like, like, were were these kind of just like, what was it? Was it literally more value in them last year, or are we just really upset that there's no fairy? I'm honestly not sure on the value breakdown from last year, so, but I, I think I would hesitate to guess that these are value. They are good value for money. They're $30. Um, I'm not sure how much they were in Ireland or are in Ireland now. Uh, I don't think they're out yet, actually. They're, yeah, they're not out for another two weeks. So I can't, I can't remember how much the last crop were worth in, in Ireland anyway, uh, like in euros. Um, but I'm pretty sure at $30, these are worth it. Um I'll just kind of hit some of the the highlights in the deck. So, like, the first one is uh, United Assault, which is basically White Weenie. And the good thing about the White Weenie deck is it has a bunch of commons and uncommons in it. So, it's, like, all four-offs all the way down on those cards. Um, And then you have stuff like Pride of the Conquerors and Conclave Tribunal that are, like, three-offs. And then the the hard hitters are two Legion's Landing, two History of Banalia. And then in the sideboard, you have, like, a couple of Tukatli Honor Guard. Um... Oh, you also have four Banalish Marshall. So I feel like between the Banalish Marshall, the Legion's Landing, the History of Banalia, you're probably getting your money's worth there. History of Banalia are probably like 10 or each at least, right? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe more than that because uh, History of Banalia for me is a, 
don't know, every every season there's there's a card that makes me not play white. Um, just because I didn't want to buy you know, a play set of, of cards. So uh, since I own no history of Benalias, I just have not been playing white at all. Oh. Uh, the previous year, I think it was Gideon and I was in the car. I, I didn't own, so I just never played white decks. <laughs> um, so I, I've, I I like to think it is more than a tenner, uh, since it's priced to me out of uh, a whole you know, fifth of the colour pie. Um, but like... But yeah, like, 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 we, like we've seen before, this will crash the price completely. But you, you just buy the history of Benalia and then you don't have to pay any money for lands because it's just 20, 20 planes or 21 planes. That's true. Well, I have to I, I have to um, buy matching uh, no Bradley BFZ full art, full, art, full art planes. I only have about seven of them. You should have got those when they were in standard. I did, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I just didn't think mono, mono, monocolor decks would be this playable. True, true. Um, yeah. Another mono, monocolor deck is uh, Lightning Aggro. So it's a mono red deck. And again, plenty of commons and uncommons in here. You know, your Fnatic Firebrands, Key 2 Lab Runners, um, Shocks, Lightning Strikes, Wizards Lightning. So the headliners here are four Runaway Steamkin, so that's good. You get the full full playset there. Four Goblin Chain Whirler, also a full playset. Uh, I feel like those rares weren't, didn't cost a lot, strangely enough, like just a couple of euros. Um, and then you've got two Experimental Frenzy, one Banefire, and nothing really much in the sideboard, just a few uncommons. So yeah, I think the the main value there is the Steamkins, Chain Whirlers, and the Experimental Frenzies. We've got a Rekindling Felix. Uh, these value right. There's only one, but... What? Oh, oh yeah, sorry. You're right, there is. You're right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and that's that's kind of funny. I, I would have thought that they might have put more of those in because those are, those are rotating in September. So I feel like last year they were more willing to put in cards that were going to rotate that fall. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think, um, like, I know the... Uh... The, the Marty was Marty, or maybe it was Red White. Just the vehicles deck from last year. Um, yeah, that had like yeah, that had four hard hearing, which like quoted the price. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess in this case, some of that value is being eaten up by the Steamkins and the Chain Whirlers. Although, as I said, I don't know how expensive those really were to begin with. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they were uh, significantly expensive. All right, moving on, we've got Deadly Discovery. So that's the Golgari deck. So it's not, um, you know, as I said, these are based on the. Pro Tour Guilds of Ravnica, so you know it was only after Ravnica Allegiance was released and we got like Breeding Pool that uh, that the Golgari deck evolved into Sultai uh, for Hydroid Crassus. So this is based on the earlier version. Uh, so just at a glance here, we have a pretty pretty well functioning deck. Um, some of the heavy hitters not there, of course. Uh, Hydroid Crassus is not there because, as I said, it's Golgari. Um, we do have one overgrown tomb, which is kind of not that many, but we also have two woodland cemeteries, so that's that's okay. Um, we have one Vraska Relic Seeker. It's pretty decent. Uh, what else have we got here? Two Jade Light Rangers. So, I mean, you really would want to upgrade that to, to four Jade Light Rangers to have this deck up to uh, yeah, the yeah, city. Um, yeah, sure. Two fine finalities. That's pretty good because I don't think most of the Sultai Golgari decks don't usually play more than maybe three fine finalities. So you, you, you're most of the way there. Um, and then in the sideboard, we've got a couple of Argwell's Bloodfast, which they don't really play, but good card to have anyway. Yeah, I'm surprised to see that here. Uh, I prefer them to be Carnish Tyrants, but uh, what can you do? Yeah, Carnish Tyrant would have been pretty sick in this one. Even just a one-off, kind of like the Rekindling Phoenix, that would have been nice. I guess... Uh, Vraska Relic yeah. is, is filling that filling that niche there. Um, yeah. Also, kind of funny to see Golden Demise in the sideboard rather than Cry of the Carnarium. 
but I guess you would never want to exile your own creatures, so kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think it's like I said, it's just based on the guild's uh, pro tour. Uh, yeah, crying from uh, legions. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's an easy swap to make. Easy swap to make, but um, I think I think golden demise makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and if you did want to swap, I mean, it's not too hard to do it yourself. That's that's one of the great things about these decks is that they are very upgradable. Like in this one, it's very very clear that you just buy a couple of jade light rangers, you know, fill out the rest of the lands, and you're good to go. You have a, a fully functioning deck that's pretty good. Obviously, it's not quite as good as the as the as the Sultai builds, but it'll still do you well. You know, it still has powerful cards. Um, one of the like one of the problems with this particular one and the next one that we'll see over the monocolored ones is that, of course, because they're two colors, they're never going to give you all the rare lands to make it operate at full efficiency. So it's kind of annoying that you're. It's coming with. I mean, it's really clear how you upgrade it by buying lands, but it's really unexciting to buy lands. I kind of wish these just had all the lands in them. And then cut some of the top end, like Raska Relic Seeker or whatever. I don't know. Um, but then I suppose. Yeah, I think I think I prefer. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I like, one. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna be the point you're meant to make is that yeah, you know, Raska Relic Seeker is, Seeker is on the box. Uh, you know, it's, it's I think the, the, the that one uh, for next uh is important for marketing the product. Uh, it definitely is. It definitely so I, I think I think yeah. So it's like oh, they'll take a hit lands. You players don't care about lands anyway. That's quite true, yeah. They, you're right. And they especially don't like playing lands that cause you to lose life. Yeah, which we'll see in our next one now. Yes. Um, so the final deck is Arcane Tempo, and we've got Niv-Mizzet sitting pretty there in the box. So this is a blue-red deck, and again, it's based on the kind of Drake's deck, Phoenix decks. It's kind of halfway between both, which is also an interesting spot to be because you can kind of uh, bring it whichever way you like. Um nowadays in this bold new post Ravnica Allegiance world I guess most people are, are are on the side of Phoenix being the better build seem to do better at the Mythic Championship so that's probably the the area yeah, I see that. to expand yeah. into yeah yeah um obviously yeah well obviously with, with, with this build in between both uh it's it's not it's, it's not very good uh it's like has four goblin got four goblin Necromancer but only one arc like Phoenix um yeah, I mean it's like you know if, if you're if you're playing if you're playing Electromancer, that's because you're playing for uh, Arcanine Phoenix. Yeah, it really should be. Yeah, um, but I mean they don't in this deck they haven't given all the kind of ways to discard. Um, like usually those decks have like tormenting voice and stuff like that, so this deck doesn't have that. So yeah, you have the options to to build it whatever way you want. I'll, I'll run down the rares quickly. So there's one arc like Phoenix as we mentioned. You know, if you want to build it into a full-on Phoenix deck, you're going to have to get three more of those, and they're very expensive because it's played in modern. Um, there are yeah. two Niv-Mizzet Parun. There is one, the Mirari Conjecture, and we've got three Sulphur Falls. So no, no shock land at all. No steam vents. Yeah, that's shocking. Uh. <laughs> I, did not, I did not intend that pun, and I'm not happy about it. Um, <laughs> then in the sideboard, we've got one extra Mirari conjecture for that for those grindy games, and three entrancing melody, which is pretty good, but not a very expensive card. Yeah, yeah, that is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's oh, the entrancing melody is one of those. It's one of those cards that's always been hard to find because it's uh, wasn't really played much back when it, back when it was uh, just just when it, when they, back, back when it, it's land was. Like, I mean, this time last year when um, we were in the standard of it's land arrivals. Uh, Transmelody just wasn't played, wasn't played at all. 
Uh, it seems like it's only recently disappearing in a, only like this season or last season disappearing in sideboards. And as a result, you know, a lot of people you know, are panicking trying to find it. Um, I mean, so this, this will help with availability a lot. I'm certain that there are copies that were thrown in the bin because we were like, ah, never going to use this. Yeah, absolutely. It's heartbreaking. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, as we said, you can take this one of two ways. You can kind of take out the Arclight Phoenix altogether um, and stick in a few, you probably take out the Mirari Conjecture, and you could stick in uh, some Enigma Drakes and make it more of a Drakes deck. Or you could take out the Mystics, the, the Niv-Mizzet, move them into the sideboard, get yourself a few more Phoenixes, and then you'll have a, a pretty sweet Is It Phoenix deck. So the customizability yeah. is nice for new players, but again, would be nice if there was some value in it. Although I assume this will bring down the, the price of the Phoenix quite a bit, because I think the Phoenix was sitting at like over 20 euro, right? So if this box is, yeah, yeah. is 30 euro and you're just getting all the rest... Uh, kind of as gravy. I'm sure Niv Mizzet is is a couple of euro, Entrancing Melody a couple of euro. So yeah, I think yeah. decent value. And you have the three Sulfur Falls, decent value in here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, <laughs> I'm still I'm still not entirely sure what the majority majority conjecture is for, but uh, yeah, it's de- decent value anyway. Just the the sick plays. I mean, people did start to play it in uh, in Drake's last season. I want to say. Uh, when the meta started to get kind of crazy and there was like loads of Drake's mirrors running around, there was loads of Jess Guy and Jess Guy had a really hard, or Drake's had a hard time beating Jess Guy, so I think that's that's why Mirari Conjecture started to appear. Yeah, okay. Um, overall, I'm fairly happy with this showing. I think they've kept the spirit of it uh, from last time and hopefully they will continue to do so into the future. Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to be um, it's it's definitely uh, it's basically a, a nice way to take down the prices of cards. I'm going to rotate anyway. I guess like if something like uh history history Benalia was still sitting at ten dollars, um, you know, coming towards even if it's as it's getting closer to rotation, like no one's going to want to you know pay that much for a card that's rotating. Then if this brings the price down to like half that, um, that that will make make a big difference. I think it was um, I think I think it was GP, <laughs> GP Birmingham. I, I I played Legacy and I was going to get ready to play Standard, and I didn't have a Standard deck. Uh, I had all I, I had a lot of standard cards with me. I had all of uh, black red apart from um, Heart of Kieran, and it was in my mind. I was like, no, Heart of Kieran, twenty dollars, or Heart of Kieran, or Heart of Kieran's are twenty quid each. I'm not going to buy them. Uh, and then I at a vendor, uh, I saw that they're selling Heart of Kieran's for two euro, two euro each, um, or two pound each. Um, and I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity because this vendor has clearly put the decimal place in the wrong place with this Heart of Kieran, and I'm going to buy four of them. So I bought four of them. Then turned out the price actually was just two, two pounds because of the charge index. <laughs> Bargain. So I, I had a roller coaster of emotions. I was like, Am I taking advantage of this of this uh, vendor? Are they going to notice? And then like nothing was said. And then I handed the money over. The NASA's walking away. I was kind of expecting to be called back, but uh, I was not. Then I made day two. Tried to game the system. Didn't work. Did not. No. <laughs> um, I wonder do people ever make money on like arbitrage in Magic where you like take something from. A place where it's cheap and then sell it more expensive. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I, I've heard of anecdotes of, of people doing this, doing this to GPs. Um, you know, obviously when people tell these stories, they think they're class. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, but, well, I'm just taking a of But uh, I, I can see happening. Yeah. Um, speaking of money, the the developers of MTG Arena are about to start charging money <laughs> for some more things. <laughs> see that slick uh, segue there? 
Yeah, I, I think our, 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 we had some better segues than that. Yeah, even <laughs> on this episode, but um, got to keep on rolling with it. Um, this this is kind of just a a little tidbit of news, not super important, but uh, just thought we'd mention it. So there was a, an update for Magic Arena, and well, an announcement of an update. The, the update hasn't been applied yet, and basically, it's mostly cosmetic stuff that they're announcing here. Um, so they announced three main things. Uh, one is card sleeves, which is very nice. It's uh, nice to have the option to apply some sleeves to your deck. Um, this is something that we have in real life, so why not have it in the game as well? I think this is kind of funny as well because you know people might assume like it's going to introduce kind of a range of arena players to the idea that someone might put sleeves on their deck that are the opposite of the type of deck they're playing. Like they might put on like Azorius sleeves and they're playing mono red or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but I guess it's. it's I I, do you think people still do people do this, do this anyway to extent with uh, the avatars they choose? Um, yes, I'm, I'm. I'm still. Yeah, I, I even though I try not to, I'm still very biased that uh, assuming that people who have the fairy as their uh, as their avatar are going to be playing um, Azorius or some kind of Teferi deck. I've some. I've actually trained my mind to block out the avatar so i actually don't even notice what my opponent is doing anymore and i also there was one update where it like reset your avatar so that you didn't have one chosen and if you don't have one chosen it like it randomizes it constantly so i feel like after that update a lot of people forgot to reset their avatar so now i just see most people's randomly changes so it like changes between the challenge and the actual match so you can actually tell that they haven't chosen an avatar oh wow okay that's a good thing to notice whereas with these, I feel like most people are not going to stick with the plain magic card back. They're gonna, they're gonna use sleeves, and of course, they're gonna charge yeah. the sleeves. Um, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm sure some of them are are for free. I don't, I don't know if there's a, a price breakdown here for the card sleeves. Not too sure. Okay, uh, I have found the pricing information here. So the sleeve prices will vary. Uh, and it's going to differ based on what type of sleeve you've bought. So there's a standard sleeve, which is 600 gems, and then the exquisite, which is 1,200 gems. Um, and they'll also be available as part of bundles, or you'll be able to get them through like events or seasonal rewards, kind of like Hearthstone. And the exquisite ones are basically shiny, shiny card sleeves. They have like a few effects, and the, the visual is a bit nicer. So they've also announced uh, avatars additional avatars so they i think they're bringing back angrath and huatli which were available in the closed beta and yeah uh they haven't really announced how much the other other avatars are going to cost but they're going to announce that soon and you but uh huatli and angrath you can buy for 500 gems or 3000 gold so that's not that much but eh, still kind of a lot it's like three packs or whatever um that's kind of cool whatever avatars i don't care i will probably never pay for these avatars unless i can get them for free then whatever <laughs> yeah yeah um they, they've yeah so <laughs> i could see my i could see i could see myself uh buying angrath but um i don't know yeah it, it is like i said like it's something that you probably it's such a minor change to the game um uh some people are some people are really into um these cosmetic updates uh, i am not really or am i I don't know, maybe I am. <laughs> I, I mean, oh yeah, I, I, there's a lot about it that looks cool. Like, I like card sleeves, you know, not massively. I'm not super into sleeves, but, like, I like to have nice sleeves. Uh, I don't need art on my sleeves or whatever. Like, in, 
in paper I would I never play with art sleeves I just play with plain dragon shield sleeves or whatever so I don't know it doesn't really bother me and yeah, uh, avatar I just leave mine on random so I don't really care about that either um but one thing that I do think is interesting is and this is probably the the biggest thing that they announced as part of this was card styles so people have probably seen this already I'll I'll link an example in the show notes and I'll, of course I'll link all this information from this thread um on the uh, uh arena forums so basically these are full art but also 3d cards so they're kind of the equivalent of like hearthstone's gold cards which had kind of visual effects on them but these ones in my opinion are much nicer so they have this kind of parallax scrolling where you kind of drag them around the screen and it's almost like it's a window you can see into it so that the art moves around in the background so it, it feels like it has depth and they look really really nice yeah, these are cl- uh, people have been spoiling them like content creators have been spoiling them on twitter like almost in a spoiler season kind of way which i think is a, a really nice way to do it pr- to bring a bit of excitement for this for this feature to, to actually be spoiling them like like new cards are spoiled um so yeah i think i think this is really cool and i think this will be very popular the only thing about these is they're super expensive um you only need to pay once and then you unlock the style for like the whole playset. so like if you have a playset of teferi for example you need to pay one payment and you get all your teferis become this if you want them to be um you can still use the normal ones of course and buying these does not actually get you the card so if i don't own teferi i can buy this but it does nothing because i can't put them in my deck um so yeah the the prices uh depend on the rarity so you can only buy these with gems and it says common will be 400 gems uncommon 600 gems rare 1000 and mythic rare 1200 so that is steep i mean only literal rich people or people who never who are like unbelievable at draft would ever be able to to 3dify their whole collection yeah, and in the venn diagram of people who are good at draft and uh very wealthy i am i am outside both circles <laughs> you're right in the middle uh where the two circles do not overlap <laughs> yeah they don't overlap exactly um i don't know as a matter of interest uh uh, maybe you notice know, if you if watch more streamers as I do too. Do you or people who stream a lot have like just like a a huge number of gems is hoarded? Um, I don't see people with a lot of gems. I see people with way more gold than gems. Yeah, I, yeah. I do see like high-ish numbers of gems. Um, but like you can buy gems, so I don't know if they just bought them because like streamers and things like that, they tend to make big purchases. I think at the at the beginning of when like when new sets come out or when they start streaming the game and they just buy loads of stuff uh just so that they're set up if they need it i think a lot of people do that um but yeah it could also be that other people legitimately just are very good at draft and and make a lot of gems i have like i think about 1200 gems sitting around so that would be enough to buy one mythic rare style okay (laughs) lovely and like i suppose i'm not I never really have more than about ten or fifteen thousand gold because once I do, I just like buy a couple of drafts. So yeah, yeah, maybe same with that. And it's like uh, if if I'm not actively trying to get uh, a card or wild cards, um, yeah, gold is accumulates a little bit until I do the draft as well. Yeah. You know, just, on that note, they have on on the uh, on the cosmetics FAQ. They have a screenshot of um of these uh these um uh, standard card sleeves, 
and just, you know, on on, on the screenshot of Arena, this person happens to have 38,000 gems. Yeah, I was looking at that. Uh, it's kind of funny because it's not, it's I think, like, not consistent across all the, uh, it's not consistent across all the screenshots that they've, that they've posted. Like, there's one that's like, the person has 2,000 gold and 3,600 gems, and then the other one, they have 4,000 gold and 38,000 gems. I'm like, what's going on here? But of course, accounts <laughs> where they can just, you know, literally add as many gems as they want. So yeah, I, I wouldn't worry. Well, are, are they, are they subliminally tr- yeah, are they subliminally trying to trying to tell us that it's a it's a good thing to have forty thousand gems sitting in your account? I mean, it is a good thing to have forty thousand gems sitting in your account. It's just getting there is hard. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think this this will also come with some uh, modifications to the deck builder where you can. And deck builder slash card viewer tool where you'll be able to kind of toggle uh, if you can see the the fancy cards or not so that you can craft them. But yeah, they look really cool. Yep, lovely. Uh, I hope they I hope they give some of them as like rewards for certain things like the way that they gave the alternate art uh, duress and Llanowar elves and stuff like that for the popper events. Yeah, that'd be great. A way, a way to yeah, kind of slowly collect them, collect them uh, through yeah, grinding or paying. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of, I highly doubt that they would put that as an unlockable thing for every single type of card. But like, if they oh, yeah. did like maybe one card a month or one card every time there was an event. But that it also kind of gives me a, a bit of FOMO because I, I like, I don't want to randomly not log in for a few days and then realize I've missed an event where I could have got one of these full art cards that I actually really wanted. That kind of annoys me. But I guess game yeah. just built this way these days that's how that's how they incentivize people to keep coming back and playing so that's just kind of the world we live in i kind of have to deal with it yeah so being like yeah that, that's fine you know, I, I haven't played since uh, wednesday and you know with my daily is accumulating um i've you know, basically lost out on gold uh from that yeah i think i think i confronted this uh this phenomenon a few years ago when i didn't well, the first month that i missed a card back from hearthstone it was actually one time I, oh, yeah. I, I missed the uh, I missed the Christmas one purely because I ha- was having like a busy Christmas and I was like oh well I've missed the Christmas one maybe I'll be able to get it next year but then they did a different Christmas one for the next year and I was like oh maybe they'll bring it back sometime and then I missed one of the normal regular month ones and I was like right I'm out I'm never playing Hearthstone again. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's also I, I decided to make it play every month it worked but then when it didn't work it just drained your interest in the game yeah exactly so what i'm saying is if i ever miss one of these 3d cards from an event i'll stop playing magic yeah okay i I was following i was watching all the different uh avengers movies then i missed uh civil war so now i stopped stopped watching them okay well i mean that is obviously important one yeah yeah so it's it's you're either all in or all out yeah when it comes to magic gathering and avengers Although I would say Captain Marvel is a good place to jump back in before the latest Avengers coming out soon, because Captain Marvel is pretty good. Oh, they're kind of like standalone. Yeah, it's quite good and standalone. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it doesn't happen in like current day most of the movies. So I don't, oh, that'd be cool. I don't know if that's a spoiler. Slightly. Yeah, I, I want. I I'm sure our listeners have seen it. Hope. Much more, more movies than I do. Um. um anyway, this I want, I want to see whole podcast. I'm sure there's plenty of those. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, TV podcast. That is the uh, cosmetic update for Arena that's coming soon. Um, we'll be able to see those beautiful 3D cards in game. 
Um, and then the last thing that we want to talk about in terms of news is going back to the London Mulligan. So it's going to be tested, not just at the Mythic Championships in London, it's also going to be tested on Magic Online. So if anybody doesn't know what Magic Online is, <laughs> it's the way that everybody <laughs> used to play <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah, we have some new listeners who might know it. Uh, who might know about this uh, archaic, ancient piece of technology. Yes. I, <laughs> there was an article that referred to Magic Online. I think it was, I think it was, uh, it was an article on CFB recently by Josh Silvestri, and it referred to Magic Online as Spreadsheet Simulator 2003, which I thought, <laughs> I thought that was a step too far. It's That's a little bit cruel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was describing Magic Online to people work before, and I said it's not very graphically nice. And uh, there's like a, a piece of software you, we use for um, you know, monitoring our, our manufacturing process. And it actually looks like Magic Online. So they, I was able to point to that and say, this is what this game looks like that I play every night. <laughs> I mean, it, it is very utilitarian when it comes down to it. But in, in many ways, that makes sense for, for Magic Online because it's so true to the Magic rules that it doesn't really have room for all the bells and whistles, I guess. Well, I mean, that's how I, that's how yeah. I visualize it in my head. I, I hope that's how it is. Yeah, I think it's got such issues with uh, it's you know built on the same legacy code. They can't uh, change too many things. We kind of kind of say just rip it all down and start again. Sure, yeah, that is true. Um, so Magic Online is kind of the home of modern legacy, vintage, cube, all these formats that contain cards that are older than the last couple of years, so they can't be on Arena. Um, so Magic Online contains most of the cards from the history of Magic. Uh, so that's the, kind of the place where people get to play those more. Uh, I'm trying to think of a kind word, a kinder word than degenerate, but uh, more degenerate formats. Yeah, people like Kieran who play Legacy or no, who play uh, vintage. more powerful formats. There we go, more powerful formats. Yeah, um, that's good. So yeah, the London Mulligan is going to be tested on Magic Online. I guess this is good because people will be able to test it in modern. It's going to be good for um, people who are actually testing for the Mythic Championship because, you know, there, currently there is no way to use this mulligan rule except for in person. You have to meet up in person. And I know that a lot of people, like, test online. Uh, you know, Arena is a powerful new testing tool these days for, for big tournaments. Um and of course, Magic Online. But if Magic Online didn't have the the rule, then you're not getting the authentic test that you want for your. You know, this could be someone's first Mythic Championship. It could be a, a tournament that they really, really, really want to do well in, and they might be restricted by this by this rule change and the fact that you can't test it in in real life unless you have some testing partners in real life, which a lot of people don't these days. People are brought together through the internet, so I think this is really important for those people. Um, and also, it's just going to give Wizards way more data. So it's being tested from April 10th to, to May 1st. So that's like, that's three weeks. Um, I think three weeks of Magic Online matches is going to give them significantly more data than a weekend of a Mythic Championship. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's, um, I, mean, I, I suppose it'll be more data, but it'll different, a different kind of data. Um, we'll, uh, okay, I guess yeah, the intention of having this at the Mythic Championship is to see how far the pros can push it. Um, which I guess is is that's the, a different set of data points to um, just the, the volume of games that's played on Magic Online. Yeah, I mean they'll be able to see what cards people are playing, like in a in a minute way that people that you can't as much at the Mythic Championships. I mean you can obviously they people submit deck lists, 
but like while the event is ongoing it's kind of hard to parse that data and it's it would take some effort afterwards whereas i assume they're getting all this data anyway from magic online so it's a bit easier to see you know you you can literally see what are the decks with uh Goryeo's vengeance and gristlebrand and faithless looting and are they being played more a and are they winning more when people are playing them more and how many times are people mulliganing mulliganing on average now with those decks versus decks that don't have those cards and etc 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 i'm sure there's just a lot of data that they'll be able to get yeah oh, definitely yeah yeah even like how many times people mulligan in, in, on average well, that's gonna presumably increase if that's data they can collect. i'm assuming uh you know combo decks will be very very willing to go to five and four now whereas they wouldn't have been before like the the the, the mulligan rule that we have now made people very comfortable to go to six that obviously you're not happy to do it but you don't feel as bad as you did before you feel okay and sometimes you're like well i have the scry i'll almost definitely hit the land whatever and i think now with this rule people who play combo decks are going to be very very comfortable they're going to not feel bad at all going down to five going down to four something yeah uh so i think that's all we have for news this week uh should have some big news coming up next week um hopefully because i i the so next week the the mythic invitational is happening next weekend at pax east and all the big announcements are going to start on sunday with the card reveals so we might have to do the show later next sunday but definitely we'll have you know that information by the time we do the show um or we'll start to see that information by the time we do the show um so should be more news coming next week um so this week we're not going to do Enter the Arena. We're going to bring back one of our old segments for for a week. Al has a lovely tournament report for us, a legacy tournament report, no less. The lovely legacy tournament report. Yes, that's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> what I what I have right here. Uh, legacy in the pub, is it? Yeah, so this, this is... The, no, no, this, this is actually uh, hosted at um, a gaming convention in town called uh, Leprechaun. Ooh. Clever name, Leprechaun. Uh, this is organized by the War Chest. It was... Uh, a legacy tournament for um, uh, legacy staples. Uh, a tiger was a uh, uh, prize for t- first place, uh, and so foil cans fetch lands um, for second and third. So a decent incentive, to, a decent incentive uh, for me to uh, go through my box of lands and find eighteen matching Noah Bradley full art <laughs> battle for Zendikar mountains and sleeve them up. And, um, I brought eighteen basic mountains to a, a legacy tournament. That is very very few lands. I know, yeah. It's, it's I actually this, this is my first time play, playing Legacy. Oh, sorry, I suppose I played a lot of uh, Mono Red Burn uh, with with the basic buttons. Uh, I played a lot of Mono Red Burn, um, you know, in preparation for GP Birmingham, Birmingham, Birmingham. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't played Legacy at all since then. I actually, I actually haven't played Legacy at all since the uh, the uh, Git Probe and um, what's his name, Golden Iron Planeswalker, Dead Roy Chapman and and yeah. Okay, so I, I haven't seen the format at all since since, since uh, those bands. Uh, so I, I just pulled up um, just a five-ball list from MTG Goldfish, and I found that yeah, they're they're playing eighteen uh, mittens now, uh, which seemed fine <laughs> to, to, to be honest. So uh, how many? How uh, many yeah, so yeah, were they playing before? Uh, like nineteen twenty between nineteen and 20, some some nineteen some twenty. Okay. Um, got a few lists in front of me here, but uh, um, yeah, so it, it, it's it's a deck that I've uh, loads and loads of practice with. Um, it's a deck I really, really like because um, I suppose it's like. It's really, I could say, I, it's very easy for to say. It's a very hard deck to play, but the reason why it's a very hard deck to play is because it's not very good. <laughs> like it, it's your, your so it has a, has a lot of complicated lines. Um, it's really just yeah, you know, Vern, 
uh, you have uh, you know, eight creatures with um, six spheres and eidolons uh, and uh, common guides, uh, 12 creatures. And um, yeah, there's a whole load of bolts. You've got a bolt, bolt, facebook, bolt, bolt, face bolt, slow bolt, and late bolt. So wait, hold on. Say those again. I'll try and guess which one is which. All right, we've got bolt, bolt. Okay, so that's actual lightning bolt. Yeah, we've got a, a slow bolt. Uh, that's rift bolt. It's actually not. My stupid, you, you, David Wolf, you did not see the logic behind my terrible naming convention. Okay, convention. hold on. Is that secure? Uh, slow bolt. No, no, this is uh, my, my particular list in base critics, but you're on the right track. Okay. Uh, bolt. Oh, lava spike, lava spike. No, that's space bolt. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> What's slow? Uh, you probably know it's a uh, chain lightning. Chain, ah. chain lightning. It's not, it's not modern legal. Uh, chain lightning. Um, it's basically just uh, a, a sorcery speed bolt. Okay. Um, a slow bolt. And then a uh, late bolt. Late bolt is a uh, rift bolt. bolt because it comes in later. Um, yeah, so yeah, basically, oh, yeah, so we have <laughs> all those bolts. We have uh, like a price, um, price of progress. Uh, Sulfur Vortex. Do you know Sulfur Vortex? Yeah, that's the one where you discard lands, right? To turn them into shocks. No, no, that's... No, that's... Um, oh, that's, that's different. No, Sulfur Vortex is uh, one red-red for enchantment. That's uh, at the beginning of each player's upkeep. Um, it deals two damage to that player. Uh, and if a player would... Um, a player would, also says a player would gain life, that player gains no life instead. Ooh, okay. Um, and then also, so, and absolutely, powerhouses are price of progress, which deals damage uh, equal to the... Go twice the number of non-basic lands uh, the player has. Both players at uh, instant and uh, fire blast, which is a uh, four damage to any target. It costs four red red, but an alternate casting cost of sacking two events. So we have you got, you know, kind of like a base that's similar to uh, um, a modern modern burn, but uh, instead of uh, white cards, we have just ridiculous old uh, legacy legal cards. Yeah, I mean fire, fire blast is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, like what? it's like floating. Like, it's even as um, you know, like float mana and sort of you know, float the mana before you sack the lands. Uh, usually, if you do something like you can fire off, you know, um, you know for four mana, you can fire off uh, you know, two price of progress, two fire blasts, um, Ooh. and a lot of damage. And so, yeah, it's 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 really and these, there's, these are all instant speed effects, so uh, it's it is really interesting that you can like um, depending on the matchup, you might have to just uh, keep a whole load of cards in your hand, hold as a whole load of burn cards in your hand, and wait for that moment to fire them all off once. Uh, you're not necessarily uh, because you need to put because. because you really need to play around um, all, all of the uh, the soft counters, the, the soft counter spells that are in legacy. Um, you, you really can't afford to have anything countered because uh, oh, it's you really just need to cast your you know, your seven bolts uh, to do twenty damage. Sure, but you're you're less dependent on actually casting seven bolts, right? Because price of progress on average is going to do four, right? Four to six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fire blast. Yeah, that's that's, that's true. Yes. So you're probably four. You need to cast six bolts on average, right? Yeah, yeah. Although I suppose um, people, and I guess it's people don't damage themselves with their lands as much in Legacy either, so mm, maybe much of a muchness. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, but like uh, between Eidolon and Sulfur Cortex, and uh, another uh, Legacy legal card is uh, Flame Rift. That's uh, one red for four damage to each player, sorcery speed. Um, so you're 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 damaging yourself a lot as well. Um, so once you in other matchups, you know, when when you when you start to run out of steam, you're you're probably on like as low life total as your opponent is, uh, and they, they can very easily just turn turn the game around and start attacking back. Mm. I can just end the game. Um, I suppose that's where. Okay, it, it, so I said again. I said so. That's that's where your instants come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how did it go for you? Uh, and so and I won um, a foil. Oh, what's it called foil Bloodstainmire. That's that's what so, uh, excellent performance. That's what I won it. Okay. 15, 14, 14 people. No, 15, yeah, fifteen people. Um, 
so round one I got to buy it was fantastic because uh, because I knew every matchup was going to be very very tough. Uh, <laughs> the the buy was was very helpful here. Yeah, pure. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of pure skill, um, round two I played against uh, uh, Turbo Depths, which is an almost impossible matchup for Burn. Uh, it probably is their, their worst matchup. Uh, so Turbo Depths is that's it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, like a, a land sec, but it's all in on getting uh, the twenty twenty merit large token merit age token uh, very very early. Um, so it can get it like as early as turn three, uh, and I once uh, you know once a 2020 uh, flying indestructible creatures on the battlefield, there's like nothing uh, Red can do. Well, I mean, you can just kill them, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, if 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 you're not killing them, then yeah, you're done. Them. Uh, it's like you can't even. Uh, it's like you you kind of you kind of do stuff like um, like you could like like lightning hit some to gain some life, so you're not dead mm. uh, with one attack, um, and obviously it's a big blocker as well, um, and that's flying. Uh, and during the tournament, when when my opponent had it, uh, I double check. I, he he just put like a card sleeve down, and I can't remember the top of my head all the keywords I had. And, uh, I asked, uh, "Did it have flying?" And then everybody ran laughed because apparently that's something everyone knows. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, um, sounds to me like you need a few copies of Deflecting Palm. Good God! You know, I actually that is I I, can't, I feel terrible. I feel right now, David Wolf. I feel like a moron for not having thought of that myself. Uh, what's the CMC of Defecting Fam? Two. It's red and white. Um, yeah, it seems. Oh, red and white. Oh, that's why. That's why. Okay. I knew there's a good reason why I didn't have it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I got to play my cards. Buy yourself some. Yeah, no, I, I knew. Oh, what, what's the what's the red white duel called? Plateau? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Get get a few of those. I probably could. Because yeah, there, there, there is a version of this that plays uh, Fetches and uh, Grim Navamancer and um, uh, what's it called? The, the, the Landfall um, Burn Spell. Uh, Searing. Searing Blaze. Blaze, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, that's something to consider. I, the tech I had for um, for uh, uh, Turbo Deaths was uh, Dead and Gone. Do you know Dead and Dead and Gone? Uh, split card. Sounds yeah, sounds like a split card, but no, I do not know it. Um, actually, I, I can't think of what Dead does, but uh, Gone is Gone is a uh, two and red for unsummon. Two and a red for unsummon. That's very unusual. Yeah. Yeah. It's a complete violation of the, of the color pie. So yeah, you just you have, you have to kill it. Um, it's pretty cool, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, there's, there's some very strange cyborg cards that Red plays. Uh, play, it plays a uh, Ashen Rider for uh, Ashen Rider for uh, matchup. Ashen Rider is the big black white flyer that exiles a creature when it comes in. So, so what's the deal? They they play Show and Tell. They put Emrakul into play, and you put Ashen Rider into play. And does that can that target? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's a protection for quartered spells, oh. uh, not abilities. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I in in my fifteenth uh, cyber slot, I had uh, Dead and Gone instead of Ashen Rider, uh, which 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 made sense because I, I ended up playing the matchup where I needed uh, Dead and Gone, which is Serpentex, but I, I still lost. Uh, I won round one, or I won game one, um, so got, got crushed uh, the other two games. Um, so then uh, game th- so round three, um, I played against uh, Death and Taxes, which I think probably is Burns' best matchup, but it's still very very hard. So it's 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 Burns' best legacy matchup. Lexi Burns' best matchup, but it's still unfavored because I think I think uh, Mono Red's is unfavored against everything. Yeah, that that doesn't sound like the best place to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you've no reason to play this at a tournament uh, unless um, you know. The only reason I play this at a tournament is because you, know, you don't have duels or or other legacy cards. Yeah. Um, um, sorry. Doesn't matter. Does, I went. Uh, Death and taxes. Does that play Kumazawa's GT? Um, my most versions do. I think the, I think the version I played against actually didn't or. At least I didn't see one. Oh, um, because burn. Yeah, actually, no. Yeah, but like, most of the time, yeah, Jute is 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 
very is, is game over for Burn. Yeah. Um, yeah, Barra School too. So in, in, in this sort of case, a lot of games kind of around um, the opponent kind of yeah, getting Barra School. Once Barra School you know, connects, once it's game over. But do you have some kind of like Shatter or um, Smash the Smithereens or something in the sideboard? Yeah, sure. yeah three, three Smash the Smithereens in the sideboard. Um, uh, also Searing Blood as well, just because you have to kill their small creatures. Yeah. Um, and so how, how did that matchup turn out for you? Uh, so, I, so, so yeah, so I won this match. Um, I, I was on play game one, had a strong start. Uh, game two. That is actually an interesting line I took in game two. Um, so opponent, I got opponent down to seven. Uh, he had a he had so so he he was tapped out and it tapped out with some four vicious mystic can play. Uh, had a vial on three. Um, so in my hand, so my I, I two mountains that had a fire blast in hand. Uh, so I was thinking, I sorry, three mountains and a yeah, fire blast in hand. So I was thinking, like you know, do I do I just fire off this fire blast now? Second two of my mountains, you know, crippling my own mana base. Do I just kill? Um, the uh, what's it called uh, Soulforge Mystic, um, you know, before it gets a chance to you know tap to bring uh, Barra School into play. So, so the Soulforge Mystic had tutored up at our school, uh, still has some sickness. Uh, so I was thinking, do I just kill this now um, to prevent to prevent um, uh, Barra School from coming in, uh, or do I or do I wait till my next draw step? And if I draw both, then I win. You know, draw both to um, the because I was on seven. So uh, I took that line. Um, Kind of knowing, I I felt I didn't know exactly what would happen, but I knew I'd get punished if I waited too long to kill. If, if I waited to to, to kill um Spartan school with um fire blast instead, um so a uh, fast turn. I'm oh, sorry, this is uh, this, this, sorry, this is what happened at the end of my opponent. Uh, I did so was, I didn't kill the software switch because I said here I was going to see what my draw step is. So I I drew um uh, uh sphere, which uh, not <laughs> which which you know wasn't going to do it. Um then you know attacked in. So I, I guess basically yeah so. Basically, what happened? So, yeah, so so because I didn't drop because because I didn't kill the Sunforce, but I could. Um, I uh, I basically lost the game. You know, at that point. Um, so then I passed turn back. Opponent uh, untapped. Uh, brought in Fire School. I went to kill the Fire School with Fire Blast, uh, and he filed in um, uh, Flicker Wisp and flickered the Fire School. It was devastating. Yeah, that's not the best. Why didn't you? What was the life total of the opponent? Uh, seven. Why didn't you play the Swift Spear and then attack and then? And then um, uh, I, I, I think I think I, I still did that. And then what? Well, get the prior, then uh, make them block. Yeah, so I I did that, I did that, and then they didn't block. Oh okay, yeah. So if they block, then you can get rid of the the um stuff. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, if if they don't block, then you only put them down to six. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then and I suppose even at that point, I was like, all right, draw six now. If I if I just answer this part of school, I'm fine. Um, but then I'll just say because you know, I'll give my opponent so much more room to act uh, on on their on the turn where they're bringing the practical in. Um. That's up on the screen. So you know. So so, so, um, so sorry. That, that, yeah. So that, that's game two. So game three. Uh, I was on play again. I turned one Swift Sphere. Turned two Swift Sphere. Swift Sphere. So uh, we're we're getting very swifty. Um, the... Having three Swift Spheres in play is ridiculous. What a start. Yeah, because it's like it turns all my bolts into more bolts. <laughs> yeah. Every every bolt you yeah, put has a free bolt attached to it. Yeah, exactly. And like even though it was a very very strong start, like the start, uh, like. Opponent was still able to answer the Sphere eventually and was you know able to control the board, uh, but they're just on a very low life up to a low life total by the time that happened. Um, so I mean, I think if I if my start had only two Sphere's, I think uh, my opponent there, based on my opponent's draw, um, he could have you know answered it and probably turned the game around. But you were able to draw draw your burn in time. Yeah, we got there. Yeah, burned burned them all the way out. Um, so then in round three, I was playing against uh, sorry, sorry, the round four. Um, I was playing against uh, yeah. The mono, my mono red prison with a uh, chalice of the void. 
Um, it's, 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 again, for, again, one is on the play. Um, I think this actually is. I think this is better matchup. Um, they can. This is actually a matchup I played a lot with Kieran. Uh, before as you're preparing to go to to Birmingham because he was on the deck similar to this. Um, so Chalice on one is devastating, but it does take them a long time to to enter, turn the game around. So say like most creature decks, um, like let's say Grixis, Grixis Delver or Blue Red Delver or uh, Death and Axes, because you're damaging your so much. You're damaging yourself. Mono Red is damaging, damaging itself so much. Um, as long as they have any kind of board presence, they can just quickly end the game to, to you know to prevent you from having those uh, last few draw steps you need to burn them out. Whereas uh, because the, the creatures are more expensive and bigger in uh, in the mono red prison deck, it's like you have a lot of space to you know, once once they stabilize. You still have a lot of time to just top deck your your burn spells and uh, and the game. Um, so I think so. Game one, so game one, opponents able to get a, uh, was able to get. I think it was almost was it a turn. I think it was a turn two. Uh, Pierre and Kieran Alar. Um, I had a goblin guide out, so uh, he was blocking the goblin guide with the uh, with, with tokens. Uh, I was able to kill Kieran and Pierre and Alar with um with a burn spell. And so I think I think because I eventually I answered the the three creature the three three creatures that Kieran and Pierre and Alar produce. Um, at that point, I I I was so you know, we both had nothing. So because opponent has spent you know three cards to get here and PNLR out. Um, eventually it was just you know we're just both top decking. Uh, he was like you know casting CV Spirit Guide um to start you know beating down. Um, but I thought just just the way when yeah when when my right person doesn't have its busted draws and you're not locked out of the game, you you have a lot of space just to to eventually run him out. So eventually like, we were we're both just top decking. Um, and I won that. And then uh, game two, yeah, game two I kept a hand that. Had uh, five one drops and two uh, two mountains on two mountains on the draw. So I was thinking like, oh, well, obviously I get like absolutely punished by uh, a chalice of one here. Then I was like thinking, I think I get punished again. I think I think I'm losing to turn one chalice anyway. Um, uh, so I catch it. Uh, opponent played turn one chalice uh, and then played uh, on turn two. Played another turn one, another chalice of one. So uh, I was locked out. But a uh, portion of my opponents just missed land drops. Uh, I never got to play a threat. Uh, and I eventually go. You know, Answered uh, the chalices with a uh, smash spitterines and then got a got a whole so fear four decks down. So, um, but that, that ended up being very so, uh, and so I won that. Okay, so and and did the opponent ever get enough lands where they would have been able to cast the chalice for two? Because that would have totally locked you out, right? No, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it was more so that they, I mean, yeah, the chalices would lock would lock me out because between the so fear four decks, um, I was casting. I think I cast like three flame rifts as well. Uh, so like all of our life totals were very very low. Uh, he had a goblin rabble master in hand, which uh, he just had a whole load, a whole load of three drops in hand, which um, you know, casting any one of them would have just you know had um, you know, had me losing life quicker than he would every turn. Okay, and did you at any point try to chalice check your opponent? Uh, I did not. Did I? No, I, <laughs> I didn't. I, and one of the reasons why I didn't because uh, he had two out. So for some reason, I felt. I mean, I feel like I, I could get around one chalice, but not two chalices on one, which obviously doesn't make any sense because their awareness, <laughs> opponent's awareness of one chalice is going to be the same as their awareness of two chalices. Yeah, he'll, he'll forget the trigger for one, but then he'll remember it for the other, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, for people who don't know, chalice checking is when you cast your cards into a chalice which counters them uh, because your opponent can actually miss the trigger and just let you resolve the cards. Um I think some people think it's kind of scummy to do, but I think I think it's kind of okay to do. Uh, yeah, it's like I yeah yeah I because I feel like it is like an extra kind of challenge within some matchups. You know, it's like a it's it's I feel like it, we we talked about before how you know your your poker face is really coming to magic that often. Um, and kind of you know bluffs like that don't really come into magic very often. But 
I do feel like um, the way you present yourself as your challenge checking someone is like something that requires a lot of you know control over your body language. Because um, I, I used to do it a lot in modern, and I felt I actually felt like the pitch of my voice changing when I was trying to cast something. Um, yeah. Chalice kind of like it's like yeah, you're kind of you're almost kind of lying. Yeah, I would never. I I don't think I'd be ever able to do it successfully. I don't think I would even try. Yeah. I, I think I would just like laugh. I would literally laugh in my opponent's face. I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, yeah." It's like um, and they just time to play that game. No, no, it does not. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like you kind of ask them a question. It's like the way you, you know, the way the way you, if your opponent has a counter, you know, mana for counter magic, you 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 put more of an effort usually to put a card in the sack and give them priority. Uh, whereas like you know, if someone's tapped out and not playing blue, you just like yo, you just play the cards down like like arena um, so you kind of have to do that uh even though there's a chalice here it's um yeah that, that it, it's it's you see this with a lot of players when when they know that the opponent could be representing counter magic instead of just uh playing you know tapping their mana playing their card and putting it on the table they'll tap their mana say the name of the card as a question and then just hold the card in their hand above the table yeah. waiting to see if it was yeah. or not so i feel like that that body language is so ingrained in so many players that I feel like a lot of them would not do it or like would unconsciously do it when they're trying to chalice check someone, even though technically if you really want the spell to resolve, you shouldn't act like that. You should act as though it is going yeah. to resolve. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Um, I think I, I, I think I've had a few successful ones in the past where I'd be like Tron where I'd like, uh, so, so for, for a big green, uh, in modern, modern, modern green Tron, uh, is very vulnerable to challenge someone has a lot of uh, wood drops, but it is kind of like you, you know, kind of move through your turn, cast these spells that are caught to cost uh, more than one, uh, as you're kind of you know cycling through stuff, moving through stuff, and then uh, you just uh, say, oh, and then Reddick we tried this pass, um, that's like how you do it, I guess. Um, it's very easy for your opponent just to go to the draw step, and by then it's too late. I don't, think, I don't think you can literally just say Reddick Regenerative pass. I don't think that's acceptable. I think you might get a judge called on you there. And you know, get a game loss <laughs> or the same. You think so? Uh, yeah. I, 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 even even if they can't magical, you know, that could happen. And then, but you know, the person with priority still gets a chance to act. Um, yeah, but, it, but I, 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 if they have counter magic up, you don't know that. Whereas if they have a chalice on the board, you're supposed to know that. Oh yeah. I mean, this is yeah. with chalice. Ch- chalice should just say spells with that converted mana cost can't be cast or whatever. So. But whatever, we can't uh, like how we can't unscramble the eggs. Yeah, can't, can't, exactly. You can't put Pandora back in her box. Exactly. Um, yeah, like, it's like, it's something I, I it's an aspect of magic I, I I don't like all that much because it's like hey, you're gonna see it's like it's pretty wrong and then uh, violate it, violate a rule. Um, I, I think I think I think that example of of relic pass might be over the line. This is where we need Kieran. Kieran's always our our moral moral compass on these things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And though, yeah, I mean, it's like I played Tron and, and, and Burn and Neg- I played Tron and Modern and Burn and Negacy, so I'm hardly a, a go to moral compass. <laughs> yes, good point. And did yeah. you have another match after that, uh, that mono red prison? Yeah, no, that was it. There was four rounds. Um, okay. so that was uh, so uh, I think the, the way the way this just worked out, it actually three of us went three one, uh, so it came down to breakers. Uh, so it actually so <laughs> ended up no one won the target because uh, uh, the TO had said it started specifically for someone who goes 4 0. No. Um, I mean, I was happy because I was like, I, I knew I wasn't doing it, and it uh, means there's just going to be another event uh, for for that tie, I guess. So, oh my God. Um, yeah, he, he, so he, 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 he just redistributed the, the, the prizes um, so that uh, 
you know, so kind of the three, myself and the other two, myself and the other two, three one players, you know, our, our prizes were a little bit closer. Uh, but I, I was, I was a third based uh, three one player. Okay, because you had a buy. Yeah. No, the buy is good for your breakers. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought exactly. Yeah, I thought why I was good for breakers, but uh, I think losing round two, I guess, wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yes, yes. It was it was a uh, turbo death player who who won turbo death player. I lost to, okay. and then I guess uh, and then uh, the uh, other guy went three one, lost to uh, or beat turbo death player in the last round. Oh, I see. Okay. So yes, yeah, so that, that made that. I think for that, I, I was expecting to come third um, based on that. Okay. Yeah. So it was basically it was based on the round in which you lost. Um and yeah, the the turbo depth player. Did they? What kind of prize did they get? Um, the cavern souls. Ooh, quite nice. Yeah. That is actually a lot, yeah, quite, quite a bit more. Um, and then, uh, so the second place got a foil through the Delta and a, oh, what's it called, Bob? Bob, Bob, uh, Bob. Blunt? Bob the Builder. <laughs> Dark on front, yes. Yeah. And you got Bloodstained Mire? Yep. Yeah. I did always stream Bloodstained Mire and um, the red-green one. Uh, I did not stop ahead, which was more offensive. Uh, I also... Wood of Foothills. Yeah, and in foil as well, it's like, I, I, I don't, know, don't know how it works. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check to see how many red fetches I own. Um, I need eight red fetches to play uh, the fetch version, of the the you know the searing base version of uh, Legacy Burn. Yeah, um, I mean, so I have I have one more. It's it's nice that it's just any any red fetches, any any re- eight red fetches. Yeah, exactly, and it's like I have like I have so whenever you look at any list online, there's people always just use like the the like arid bases like the least expensive ones. But I, I, I think I, I think I have a face set of uh, God. I'm so bad at magic arts today. What's the name of the good fetch? The one everyone loves. Scalding tarn. I have scalding tarn. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I think I have four tarns. Uh, they're kind of interesting. You can see. I mean, it's. I don't think it matters very much, but uh, you see people kind of diversify their fetches uh, a lot, a lot uh, in, in in legacy, which is. I mean, the more I'm probably important for some matchups, but probably less so for legacy burn. Yeah, definitely. I mean, some, I don't think people are going to be bringing in pithy needle. Probably not. No. And if they oh, for Grim Navmancer, they might. But, yeah. Say that again. For Grim, for Grim Navmancer, they might. Oh yeah. Okay. That's true. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think. Uh, oh, who was it? I think it was the one red prison player had uh, uh, had um, a uh, a main board pity needle and um, named uh, so it was basically cast it and I realized there's nothing to name. That I, I was I was thinking as well. I was trying to give him a suggestion. So just name Sophia Fortex. I mean, I would have at least named Arid Mesa on the off chance that you did have fetches. I think so, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe that is a, a correct play. And like, yeah, even in the sideboard or something. Yeah. Or with scripts in one of those main boards. I don't know. Um, All right, well, Legacy... I know, that was my, yeah, that was, that was the Legacy. Legacy was, I, I, continues to sound like a, a very silly place. <laughs> exactly. It's And, you know, after... I'm so I'm so aware of uh, how um, my emotions influence my perception of things that I know for a fact that if I lost round two, if I lost round three and dropped, I'd be like, oh, this is a legacy bird. It's a terrible deck. I should never have brought it. It's a terrible format. It's stupid. But uh, in fact, when 3 1 and I uh, got a prize, I'm like, legacy is actually good. And I'm very good at legacy burn. And <laughs> I think I'm good enough to beat strong decks with legacy burn because I'm just a master of of, of this particular deck. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of of, uh, of the, the biases that are involved in that line of thinking. Okay. Well, at least you're aware. That's the most important thing. Yeah, but I, I am class at the sector, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I am very, very good at it. All right, I think that's uh, that's been well established. Um, I think uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Think think we're done. Lovely. All right. So as usual, you can get in contact with us. You can 
email us skullcrackpodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at skullcrack uh, if you want to suggest anything anything for enter the arena we will have enter the arena back at some point but we're just kind of gonna rotate through a few different segments we're gonna come up with a few different ideas but yeah if you want to if you want to get in touch with us uh the email address and the twitter are the way to do that and thanks for listening and bye-bye bye-bye This is the end of March. Okay. Do you know what month comes after March? Um, April. And you know what's? Uh, you know why April is very special to me? Is it your birthday? No. It is my birthday in April. Yes, that is actually my birthday in April. I thought it was your um, birthday in May. Damn it! But, uh, <laughs> Whoops. No, no, April. So I got a, got a, I got a significant birthday coming up. Uh, but um, but a birthday in the middle of April. But one thing I um. One thing I actually do like about April slightly more than my birthday, especially this one because it's a big birthday. But uh, what I'm looking forward to very much is uh, April Fool's Day, April first, because uh, I think now what it's like, it's like what just you. I suppose it started off being like uh, as kids, you're like oh, doing pranks with people as kids. But now it's just the internet just goes crazy for a day. Uh, you see all sorts of nonsense, um, nonsense of which that I am a big fan of. Um, and this particular April Fool's Day will mark a uh, 10 year anniversary of. Uh, uh, the most elaborate and uh, ridiculous April Fool's joke I have ever, um, don't want to say pulled, it's April Fool's prank that I orchestrated as it was so complicated. Um, so David Wolf, would you like to hear about the orchestration of a complicated April Fool's joke from 10 years ago? I would, always. Okay, so this is back when I was in college. Uh, I was, uh, we had a group of base seven, you know, close friends. Um, uh, I think it was, so, I was on Halloween, so one like Halloween night, one Halloween night. Mm. Uh, it was a, like we had a Halloween party in in, in DCU, and uh, myself and another guy were staying over in 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 you know one of the lads' house, one of the lads' apartments. Uh, so basically, we're just like, oh, we're all you know, see if we catch stuff. As we're you know, having a few nightcaps before we go to bed, and um, we're just kind of just you know, talking about talking about other people in the group. So in in a group of friends, there's um, we just mentioned uh, you know one girl, one girl Lorna, who's uh, always going on about her boyfriend. Uh, I mentioned that I, I'd never seen uh, this boyfriend. Um, then one of the guys joked as if joked saying, "Oh well, maybe he doesn't exist." Um, and we had a lovely hearty laugh, uh, and then the cogs of my brain started turning, and I said, "What if we were to conceive a person and just talk about them in passing conversation, uh, pretend to have plans with them, just make someone completely from scratch, and could we get people to believe that he or she exists?" All right, this sounds like a bit of a quest. It was, yeah, and then we started to take it very seriously. So straight away, we just conceived the idea. Of a, a guy called Kieran Duffy. He's from Lock, Lock Rain, County Galway. He's uh, studying biotechnology in uh, DC. Uh, the, uh, that was a course that was similar to ours. So we would share some, um, some, but uh, we wouldn't, you know, be random all the time. Um, so Kieran Duffy, he has uh, short brown hair and freckles. Uh, he's about five foot eight. Um, he's one of these lads who, uh, you know, is really kind of friendly now going. He's, um, he's also like really, really intelligent. He's like, you know, that kind of person everyone in college wants to be where. It's like, oh, he doesn't go to any lectures or, or he doesn't do any studying, but he still does really well at exams. <laughs> yeah. That's, 
I, that, that's basically the position everyone wants to be <laughs> for some reason. Uh, so it's very prevalent. So that's that's basically what we what, conceived. So it would start off that, um, yeah, so, so I had a tidy, like I said, a tidy knit group of seven friends. Um, so myself and two, two, two other two guys, we just kind of casually mentioned, um, like it started off by just saying little stuff like, uh, oh yeah, Duffy said he he used he knows someone from another year who did this thing and you know blah 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 you know or or um kind of stuff like uh yeah like that. then then they kind of went for that to kind of to move on to like oh we were like organizing poker night um kind of thinking like oh who who we asked so I was like oh sure I'll 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 text Duffy um and then like <laughs> eventually that dad does get someone like oh who's Duffy and I say oh you know Duffy he's from you know the Galway lad from from BT from biotechnology and then uh go because <laughs> that's I mean that's that's the kind of thing that happens all the time and. In college, of names being thrown around back and forth, so no one, no one uh, made a big deal of it. <laughs> and eventually, evolved, it evolved into um, uh, like literally being, you know, cancelling plans because we had to go to we we had planned to go to the cinema with Duffy. Um, so then by then, you know, people just accepted that that this was the person. What What do you mean cancelling plans because you had to go to cinema with Duffy? You were cancelling plans with Duffy, <laughs> I mean, or you were cancelling plans? I know, I mean, people because you had made plans with the imaginary person. <laughs> what happened? Sorry, I probably phrased that wrong. I say. I say so. It's more so. Um, someone says, "Hey, do you just want to go do this this on Wednesday?" And then we say, "Oh no, we're going to the cinema with Duffy." What? But were you really going to the cinema? <laughs> Separate from no. What? No, it's, it's David. For for the sake of this joke, we have to sacrifice a part of our social life uh, yeah. to to make to really sell this. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Well, keep going. Well, well, it did work. Okay, so eventually it just became a normal thing. Uh, we got a few months went by. Uh, I remember the, the pinnacle of it was, and then I, I didn't notice that people actually started to think he was real. Uh, at one point, uh, me, one of the girls from the group, uh, we were in the, the student bar at DCU um, doing that lovely thing people do as we were like basically raiding people out of 10 who walked by, uh, which then uh, you know, evolved into uh, you know, raiding people we know on a, a practice level of, of, you know, from 1 to 10. Because uh, we're stable, uh, level-minded people. And that's what stable, level-minded people do, David. Of course. Uh, so I basically were saying things back and forth. And then I said, what about Duffy? And then she, I swear to God, she hesitated and said seven. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like... That is the classic, I don't know. Uh, number. <laughs> maybe, yeah. But then, well, she, it seemed like she was legitimately thinking about it. Um, I, I did that thing I do when I'm playing poker where if I want to keep a straight face, I just uh, drink heavily. I just put the pint up, up to my mouth. I was like, yeah, I don't want to show that I'm laughing at this because this is uh, absolutely amazing. Um, so anyway, so anyway, this this kept on going, uh, kept kept on going, um, and I think it was or twice we heard other other people kind of mention Duffy, uh, which was was very strange. We something that we hadn't expected. Um, so we thought we got figured out by now. Uh, then I think a big a big turning point was uh, one day we had one of our mandatory labs, and uh, so one of the girls, Lorna, she's very just became very very interested in Duffy. Uh, started asking a lot of questions about him. Then one day we're in this mandatory mandatory lab that you know everyone had to be in. Uh, including um, Duffy's yeah, people in the, on Duffy's course. And um, <laughs> Lorna came up to me and says, oh, Alan, uh, why, why don't you point Duffy out there? Is he here? And I was like, oh, uh, no, I don't see him. And then um, she, she was like a, 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 a tiny little girl who was like basically square enough to be like, pointing the finger at my chest saying, well, and where is he, Alan? Where is he? Did you, did you make him up? Did you make him up? So she just really quickly reached that conclusion. Um, but others had embraced Duffy into their lives. Uh, she very quickly caught on that something was up. <laughs> uh, I remember looking around thinking, "Oh, you know, Duffy. He always he's he's never in lectures. He he's probably hungover. He's such a mad lad." Then she's like, "If he's such a mad lad, why did he miss a, a mandatory uh, practical session?" Um, so after that, I got back to the two eyes and I was like, "Lads, we took the super. Um, <laughs> Lord is angry at us. Brona thinks he's a seven out of ten. 
uh, we, we need to we need to you know wrap this up somehow. But then, but then, so at this point, it was coming up to uh, it was coming up to April Fool's Day. So I decided, so we decided that uh, we'd go to the bar on April Fool's Day. I think it was a Tuesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, um, where we had uh, cheaper drinks in, in the bar and stuff that we did anyway um, on, on on Tuesdays. And uh, we decided we're going to go to we're going to go to the, the student bar to celebrate Duffy's birthday, which was on April, which was on April Fool's Day. Um, so we got the, we got the whole gang together. Uh, we sat having drinks, waiting for Duffy to arrive. Uh, the others were like looking expectantly at the door, uh, waiting for someone to arrive. But obviously, first, I, I remember thinking like, what, what are they even waiting for? <laughs> and then uh, we, we then we then revealed, oh, April Fools, Duffy's not real. <laughs> and then they're like, what are you talking about? Of course he's fucking real. And I was like, no, we, we made him up. <laughs> um, so basically, it turned out uh, there was a person, um, not necessarily in that course I mentioned, but there, there was a person like kind of who was in some of our lectures who slightly resembled the description, the very generic description I gave, uh, and everyone just assumed he was Duffy, our new friend, um, but uh, it was not. Um, and the, the 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 wool was pulled over their eyes as ours. And um, but was his yeah, so Duffy? Was what? Was his name Duffy? No, no. Okay. No, this is completely this completely random. This completely completely random person that um they all they all assumed was uh, this Duffy. And nobody um, in that group was friends with him or anything ever. No, no. I think uh, there's like a person we knew was going out with him. Like a, a person we kind of somehow was a, a person we kind of sometimes interacted with had started had started going out with him. So uh, he was, you know, oh, you mean Lana's boyfriend? Like, it's like well, okay. his name isn't Duffy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he, he and then that, that's he was he could have he could be considered on the fringes of the of the group or whatever. You could say it, yeah, you could say that, yeah. And I think I think he was new to was transferred over from a different, different course. He, he was somebody who was turned up. Um, you know, I, I feel like he, he turned up in a course around the same time we made him up. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Okay. And how long was this all going on for before you concluded it on April Fool's Day? Yeah, so it started it started, uh, started at, uh, October, from October to April. And so six months. That's did it. anybody actually believe that it had been an April Fool's joke, like that you had actually been planning it for April Fool's or no? No, no, no. Um, I, it was almost like it was. It was more so just when we when we decided because we, we just we didn't think of April Fool's Day when we made it up. We didn't even think it would last as long. Uh, it also happened at the time we were planning on ending it. Uh, it was going up close to April Fool's Day. Um, we decided that'd be a perfect uh, date of birth or birthday for um, an imaginary person. <laughs> this is very elaborate. And but it's shortly out. Yeah, I feel like I don't know the way you were describing when the girl came up to you and was confronting you in the lab. I think uh, you know that could have that could have turned nasty. There could have been a. I know. Ending here. I thought. I thought you were going to end it. No, no. Telling everyone that Duffy had died. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Bad. I. I think if. Uh, if my life was a sitcom, that's the direction we would. We would have taken this uh, sequence of events instead. Yes. Uh, then I suppose. Yeah. Then I suppose to top it all off. I think later on that year, um, we bumped into the guy who who people had thought was Duffy. And, uh, one girl says, "Ah, oh, his name is Stephen." Oh, Stephen. Alan has the funniest story about you, and uh, I had to tell this man um, a story about how basically, basically we pretended. Sorry, I had to tell this man that we basically pretended that he was our friend. <laughs> like, it was very awkward. That was, yeah, we basically pretended that we were mates. That that was going to be my next question. Is you know, yeah. did he ever become aware of it? And I'm glad that he did, and I'm glad that you actually told him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I was actually uh, one of the lads who we made us up with. He's uh, working over at Cambridge right now. 
And uh, the reason why this story came to my memory was he recently texted uh, our, our old college-based WhatsApp group. He said, uh, Duffy is... <laughs> you still call him Duffy. But oh, I just ran into Duffy uh, in Cambridge. He's working in the same uh, area as I am. Uh, so we're obviously destined to be together, you know. Brilliant. So that was, uh, that was a time we pretended to have another friend. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> a good story to end on. Uh, <laughs> when we come back next week, I assume we'll have some April Fool's jokes from, from Wizards to talk about. Maybe. Do they do April Fool's jokes? I think they do. I think so, yeah. Um, but actually, they, they'll they have something first, to, I think... so we'll miss them by a week. So I guess, yeah, this is our... That's right. Yeah. This is our April Fool's discussion. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Cool. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.